This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You have drafted a terrible fantasy football team i've drafted a great fantasy football team uh we have diverged in the nfbc league that you and i bet on we can talk about that some shit's going on in the world uh but first off how you doing doing well Liz. uh yeah it's been a few weeks uh missed you in the vegas trip we did the live auction i then went on a bachelor party in austin texas had the kids to myself for a while while the wife was off at comic con and then Went the bad decision. I ended a one night in a Reno bachelor trip. So too much traveling, two weeks off. My actual vacation with Yahoo officially ends today. And you sat, decided to do a podcast a day early. And I'm huh. ready to, to talk whatever you want, Liz. So uh, leave the, the floor is open open to yourself. What, what did you do? I know you went to a, a fancy wedding, I guess. Maybe you want to start there? Yeah. Well, I want to say it doesn't get lower than the Reno bachelor party, right? You, you, oh, you had yeah. the Vegas and then you went all the way down to Reno. And I know if Emily's listening, no offense, Emily. Because they live outside of Reno, so she's your biggest. She's your biggest fan, by the way. So you should defend her. Well, yeah, nothing wrong with the biggest little city in the world, oh, Silver Legacy. The, you know, wasn't no, the greatest. Now you're stepping up. Now you know you have one fan that, would, that actually cares whether you live <laughs> yeah. or die. That now, now you're Louis. Louis Bass Corner is a fantastic Basque restaurant. But anyway, let's continue. All right. So we went to France, and it was for this wedding, and it was very nice. And Chateau, it's probably the nicest place I've ever stayed. One of the nicest, at least. Wow. And I don't know how much the rooms would have cost if we had to pay for them, but, you know, in the order of a thousand a night, maybe more. And there's a pool there and there were the people are getting married. Like it was the guy's second marriage and actually third marriage, maybe. And he had a big family. So they had the nanny there and Sasha could pay, basically just run around, jump in the pool, do whatever. And if I saw her every three or four hours, I'd say, hey, everything all right? And she'd be like, yeah, fine. And just run out. Like, so didn't have to deal with kids at all. I mean, she was taken care of. Zasha was totally taken care of. And uh, we just basically would go down and the guy who ran the chateau, uh, his name was Fred. Fred knew what you wanted before you knew what you wanted. You know, you'd have the glass of wine in your hand before you even lifted your hand to ask. You'd have the eggs sunny side up and the coffee and the whatever else. So. It was a really nice few days, um, saw a bunch of people. And then we drove uh, to uh, Beaujolais area and stayed in a small town called Fuisse, which was walking distance to the house that we had, the Airbnb that we got through Heather's friend who was sharing with us. And then they left because they changed their mind and went to Paris. It was this gigantic house. It was kind of nice. It was a little weird. 
but you could walk to this Michelin starred restaurant and uh, it was really, really good. It was like the best steak tartare I've had in my life. Great steak and salad. We, had, we went back there for lunch one day. They just gave you like a roast chicken with a few potatoes and some lettuce greens. I mean, simple food, but really good. Uh, even though I'm gluten-free, I was eating croissants all the time in Lyon and in uh, Fouisset because they were so good. And uh, I just felt like it was the right exception to make. The uh, pan au chocolat, the you know, chocolate croissants, basically, that stuff is, uh, is really good. So, you know, we then went to Lyon for a couple days. Really cool city. I think it's the second biggest in France. Then we took a train to Paris just to fly out of the airport direct to L.A. So now I'm in L.A., LA is a hell. It's a hell on earth. It's a hell on earth, man. Yeah, that's what I was going to be. I'm with you on the tartare, by the way. I told you I had antelope tartare a couple months back in San Francisco. I'm still thinking about it. But yes, that's the, the next step I was going to ask you about. LA, heard you bitching about it on the XM show. So please elaborate how okay. much you I'll, are uh, I'll just uh, give you an example. So part of the problem, I mean, I hate driving around everywhere, but part of the problem is we only have one. We have zero cars, actually, until we house sit for our friend and we'll get his car. So Heather's mom's car is the one we had today. So Heather drove her mom to work and then drove back, took Sasha and her cousins out. And then she got back around 1230. I knew I had this podcast at two. So I wanted to get some lunch. I was hungry. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to this taco truck that I really like uh, on Rose called La Isla Bonita Taco Truck. It's excellent. I, I guess I just found out now that in the summer, maybe they're just only open on Fridays. It's, you know, actually it's a truck. So I drive down, it's, you know, 15, 20 minute drive. And there's no truck there. So I'm like, oh, man, all right. Well, I just really want some tacos. So I'll just drive up to Lincoln a few blocks. And there's always trucks on Lincoln. So I finally drive a few blocks on Lincoln. It's traffic. It's hell. You know, you just stop and go. And I'm like, oh, there's a truck. So I pull over to the curb a block and a half away from the truck, park, notice that it's 15-minute parking. I'm like, all right, 15 minutes. I think I can get everything in 15 minutes and come back. So I walk over there a couple blocks. Truck's a breakfast truck. It's not a taco truck. So I walk back to the car, get on my phone, search for tacos near me and there, oh, there's a place like three blocks away so i get back in the car i can't leave the car where it is because of course it's 15 minutes um so i drive around the whole block figure it out get to the parking lot the place is closed for repairs okay so i'm like ah oh, man get back in the car tacos near me they're all by the beach and driving by the beach in venice is hell it's just a hell it's tourists and traffic and it's impossible to move or park anyway i'm like screw it I'm, i've come this far i'm gonna do it so i go down there Everything, every light, every person crossing with their surfboards and their skate stuff and their weird devices that they're moving on, transportation devices in Venice Beach. Finally get down to Windward Circle, which is hell. Can't park, drive in, almost hit a cab, almost hit some pedestrians, turn around. Finally, the parking opens up. I finally parked. I was going to leave. I was just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm out of here. And then I get the space. And then it's one of those meters we got to pay at the machine. And I'm like putting in money. And it's like, wait, it's, it's a quarter every five minutes. So I put in a buck and I'm like, okay, can I get, can I eat this restaurant? It wasn't even the one that I had found. It was just a taco place. Actually, it was pretty good. It was like 12 bucks for a couple of tacos. Uh, and then finally drive home, hitting every light. And meanwhile, I'm listening to KCRW, which is just such garbage. It's devolved into the dumbest radio station ever. It's like, it's like they're speaking to you like you're a child. And the amount of the jokes they make, it's, it's embarrassing. It's like, it's, I don't know, man. Everything in LA just seems to be was it always like this and I was just stuck in the matrix and I didn't realize it or is it deteriorating in front of my eyes? I'm not really sure, but it's bad. And I just can't take it anymore. I can't take the driving, the parking, the everything, you know, checking the signs. How many minutes do I have? How much do I have to put in? It's like, you're like an, you're like in an experiment. 
it's it's really terrible and i cannot wait we're gonna have a nice place to stay it's closer to venice i can ride my bike around but man the, the sooner we get out of this place the better djs are the worst and i think that's pretty universal i stick to podcasts or, or xm but this is interesting so at least i guess it emphasizes just how much you are enjoying where you currently are living yeah i mean we you have to you had to have wondered right like how much you would have missed you know being back yeah like the first couple hours i got back i was like oh cool yeah this is a different culture yeah la right la and by like 24 hours later i was like i gotta get the fuck out of here this is truly terrible i mean it's like the dumbest i I could not believe what i was hearing on the radio like the jokes they were making they're talking about these spawning fish what they were called and they thought it was the coolest thing ever and everyone's gonna watch and they're making all these like "Ooh, can we say that on the air the fish are mating they're spawning can i use that word it was just such these guys are such losers. I mean, I just, it was embarrassing. I was truly embarrassed by the, what I was hearing on the radio. And finally, about five minutes to the end of my ride, coming back from the tacos right before this podcast, I found this uh, college radio station, right? It used to be 88.9. And I finally just turned it. I don't know why I was stuck on KCRW and some good music. I don't even know what it was, but came on. I started blasting and drove the last five minutes. And I was like, thank God. So how much longer before you go back? I, I, sorry if I missed it. Another month. Uh, so okay. we're going to Colorado on Thursday for about four or five days going camping. And then uh, we're coming back Monday night. And then uh, on Tuesday morning, we're switching houses to the place in Venice that I'm house-sitting. And they got a dog. You know, they were supposedly a diabetic dog. Did I tell the story about the diabetic dog? No, I don't believe so. So one of the dogs we were supposed to house-sit for, there were two dogs, had diabetes. And we had to give it shots. So it was like, Heather arranged this house swap. They're going to stay in our place in Lisbon for a couple of weeks. And we get to stay in this super nice place in LA that's probably five times more expensive on a monthly basis. I mean, literally five times more expensive. And we're like, this is great. It's going to be so much better. You know, we're in Venice. We can ride. We can use their car, their bikes, everything. But you got to take care of the dogs. Okay, no problem. You know, Sasha wants the dog. It'll be good practice. See if she's really ready for it. The answer is probably not. Uh, But one of them has diabetes. You got to give it shots twice a day. I was like, oh, man. All right, fine. If they trust me to do it, I'll do it. But like, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, I'll probably kill the dog. But the dog died about a month ago so oh, no. okay. off the hook we're off the hook right not under your care yeah no. nobody was yeah, nope i'm gonna just say nobody was celebrating about that death nobody yeah. was clapping and jumping up and down and high-fiving so just close to sure. your care you know it was all it almost went well it might have died in our care if, obviously it was that close saying, to dying that's what i'm saying even if it wasn't your fault so it might anyway so it's just one dog the dog's very nice really nice house so it'll get a lot better when we get back from colorado but Right now, it's it's truly a hell on earth. And the car, the car situation. L.A. is just, if you don't, if you get thwarted in your first destination, like I'm going here and, and then it's closed or it's too full or the line's too long, which is all that shit happens all the time, you're screwed. You can't just like improvise. It's not like being in a real city where you're like, oh, I'll walk down the street. I'll look at this menu. Yeah, that looks all right. Now, nah, keep going. There's another restaurant up there. You know, you got to park, you got to check out the parking situation, not only the meter, but whether even if there is a meter and you pay the meter, whether it's street cleaning or whether it's, you know, you're going to get a ticket anyway. I have that, I've had that happen to me and finding parking's hard. And once you get out of the car, you got to walk all the way over to the place and you got to look at them. You, know, you can't just stop, get in and out. You, you have to know exactly where you're going and be able to get there. And I, I just can't live like that. Yeah. I feel sorry for you. You're stuck in Venice beach. I will pray for you. Um, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you. Uh, any any news on your taxes? By the way, Liz, no, since we last no, the, no, no. The the lawyer uh, he sent a letter saying, "Can you do it?" And and there's like a power of attorney, so they could give the results to the lawyer. And they said, "Sorry, we need original powers of attorney. We can't have the fax copy." So I had to go back to the place, print them out again, sign them, and then Heather sent them. 
and then he sent him, and they received him because he did it registered mail, and now it's a month later, still no response. So like, I don't know if we just, I was like really pissed. I was like, oh, really? So if we just, because we didn't send the originals, now we're going to have to wait another year before we find out anything? I mean, there's just no indication. I mean, I haven't actually checked today. I probably should. Every day I check, it's just, in, it's just pending. Yeah, it's <clears throat> got to be frustrating. All right, so you want to talk uh, baseball or football first? Uh, baseball, come on. Yeah, I know you're, you're surging in the Beat Chris List League uh, that I'm in that I, you always uh, you know, talk about my running out of money, which doesn't really matter to me, by the way. Uh, but well done. You're top, what, 30 right now? 21, 20, 21st. Wow, nice. So, wow, this is the best you've done in a league I've been with you in a while. So that, that's good. Are you, uh, the best what's, anyone's what's, done, you've ever been in a league with anybody in your life. Yeah, how about that? What, uh, what's, the main, what's the payout for that one? I think like 125. Man, nice. So you, uh, you're you pretty loaded. You, gotta, you have a legit chance? I mean, you know, there's 20 teams ahead of me, and right, I got, yeah, my yeah, guys I mean, get injured too. But put it this way, my two catchers were leading off yesterday. So Mitch Garver and Travis Darno were leading off for their teams. That's pretty nice. That is, that is nice. You're well done with those, with those draft picks. So, uh, very, well, I took Severino in the third round in that league. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, that's the league you did in the, in the third? That's pretty yeah, impressive. because then. before he got hurt. And, and you know who's available yeah. right after? Charlie Blackman and Cody Bellinger. Yeah, they're doing all right. Wow. Well, that's, that's impressive, man. So um, I don't know if I can't say I'm rooting for you, but I'll, I'll, I'll be paying attention now. That you're, I'll tell you what, if I, win the league, if I win the league, I'll pay 800 You only have to pay 700 for the, the Super Contest. Super Contest next year. Yes. All right. Thanks. All right. Then I will be rooting for you then. What, what <laughs> my one, my one and only for baseball. You. I won't forget I you in my will. I won't forget you in my will. But the thing is, it really won't be you. It'll be your heirs because you're going to predecease me, obviously. Yeah, of course. You already, already know that. Uh, my, my main, actually, my only baseball question I have for you this week is, where does Jordan Alvarez get drafted next year? All right. So I said this guy could end up being a first-round pick. Uh, I was well, getting into it with yeah, Paul Spore yeah. and some other troll who was, you know, like, I don't know why whenever you get into an argument with Spore on uh, Twitter, there's always like a couple of random trolls that like all of his tweets where he's zinging you. And they just like all of Paul's tweets. I don't know why he has those dudes. That's funny. I like that it bothers you. No, I mean, it's like you're arguing with somebody on Twitter. You're having a debate, good faith debate, disagreement. And there's some troll being like, 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 you know, the other guy's argument. I'm like, shut the hell up, man. You know, get, stay out of it. You know, mind your own business. But anyway. So what was your stance? What was your stance? My stance was, you know, because uh, I, was, I was basically, I think it was that uh, Peter draft sheet. Was, mm-hmm. was crapping on Cardi's projection of Alvarez for 12 homers the rest of the way. And I think I was arguing, maybe it was on the pod or on the, on the uh, XM, that I agree with him because how can you give Alvarez 12 home runs? It's just not, you know, and Cardi's is always based on like sort of the baseline. And this actually ties into something that I was talking about Pat Mahomes yesterday. So this actually is relevant. It's like, how can you use like the baseline for all rookies when you see what Alvarez did in the minors this last two months? I was like, you, and it was the same mistake you made with Acuna because it's like Acuna's not just your run-of-the-mill guy. You know, when you have these like ridiculous outliers, you can't just use sort of the baseline historical average prospect call-up and then factor that into the projection. You have to find a way to distinguish it because otherwise you're, you're just lumping it into too big of a box. There's, there's, you know, micro boxes within the box that you have to identify. And so everybody knows Alvarez, everybody in the NFBC was you know, dropping their entire budget for him. And, you know, like, for instance, we're talking about Jorge Soler was projected for more home runs, although Jorge Soler still hit home runs than Alvarez since his call-up. 
And I was thinking, like, well, Jorge Soler has, like, almost zero chance of being a first-round pick next year. And I was like, but Alvarez and was like, he'll never be a first-round pick. And I was like, all right, whatever. Top one and a half to two rounds. You know, it's first round is arbitrary cutoff. I mean, being somebody that you're going like, to hinge your whole team around. And they were saying, basically, like, no, no chance that he gets there without the steals. Like, I was like, well, Acuna's, and they're like, yeah, but Acuna steals, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Alvarez will be, you know, basically like Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge was a borderline first rounder. He went in the first round of my main. He went fifth in my main. Like, why would you not, you know, Aaron Judge stole like what, six bases or something? I mean, nine bases. Why would you not put Alvarez in there like around where Aaron Judge would go? Yeah, no, I'd be shocked if he continues hitting like this and he's not one of the first 15 players taken. I would be very surprised. I mean, look at what he was doing in the minors. I mean, he may not have steals, but he's hitting 342. Didn't I mean, he hit a four hundred seventy-five foot home run the other day? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, and he, I guess he got a little bit of a bulky, bulky knee issue, but this looks like absolutely ridiculous. And all the, at least before when I last looked, his, his uh, you know, Statcast numbers were like top notch, you know, elite, elite, elite. So yeah, I, don't, I mean, I'd be shocked. This guy's not a first rounder if he continues to hit like this for the final whatever we have left of the season. So I mean, I'm with you. Let, for let's sure. just say, forget about if he continues because that no one knows. But just say we're drafting for next year right now. Yeah, okay, it? that's fair. That's what I mean. That's okay. Yeah, the season ended. That's a better way of putting it. The season, the season ended ends now. Right now. There's a strike. It ends now, but the 2020 starts on schedule. Where do you draft them? Like 15th? Yeah, yeah it's a better way of framing it. I mean, I haven't looked at all the. Like, you don't. Know, like, Judge or Alvarez right now? You got to take one of them for next year. Oh, definitely Alvarez. I mean, Judge, who knows? A couple injuries here now. Okay. So, Alvar- Alvarez, yeah. Alvarez, 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 Alvarez or Harper's a no brainer, right? It's not even, that's not even a conversation. Correct. Alvarez, Alvarez or Machado? Alvarez. Alvarez or Freddie Freeman? Yeah, I mean, that's, I like Freeman's bat, but I'd probably take the unknown just because this guy could hit 50, who knows? Right. You know? Yeah, more upside with the power. Less, yeah. less stability. Yeah. And Freeman's but, super safe, super solid. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's, that's crazy. And it seems like, yeah. So I, I, I think a lot of people will, you know, there'll at least be well, someone who will. Where's uh, Fernando Tatis going to go? Yeah, good question. There'll be a lot of real interesting, fun young guys who will go super high. Yeah, he he has to be in the conversation as well, right? He's stealing. He's crazy. He his projections were real low in all those systems because his age, whatever he's doing, he's he's the guy that really defied those. All of them, the bat, and all of them had him as someone you didn't really want to touch. And it, by the end of the NFBC leagues, that he was going in some leagues in like round ten or eleven, and I was like, that is crazy. But the, the laugh was, you know, jokes on me because that was well worth it. Yeah, Chris Paddock, all those guys are really, really good. I, I think, you know, you just, I think <laughs> you can't just say, well, on average, prospects do X, so I'm going to predict him for Y. You have to say, on average, prospects do X, so the Austin Rileys, the Nicky Lopez's, all those guys who are not like top prospects, you got to be very careful before blowing your fab on them. But when you're talking about Alvarez's run for two months, or you're talking about, you know, Tatis or Cunha. I don't think you, I don't think it's relevant that Nicky Lopez didn't do well when he got called up. I don't think it's relevant that Austin Riley was hot and then cooled down. Like, how can you, why is it relevant to the baseline? These guys who are the 25th best prospect or the 38th best prospect to what the top three prospects are doing. And Acuna is living up to him. He's the guy that you wanted to bump up at that top five ish area this year that we're expecting a greater leap and he's doing it. So um, yeah, well, that's the guy, that was my that? first pick in our, in that league that you're in with me, by the way. Yeah. Well done. Do you, um, do you want to tie that into Mahomes in? Yeah. So I, Mike Clay posted something and I, and I love Mike Clay. I saw him in New York and, uh, 
I think he's just really solid. He he just he dots the I's, he crosses the T's, and I think he's a great like I like looking at his projections and his work as just sort of a sanity check. Like what is the sort of you know he hasn't missed something, you know it's like well thought out. Um but he put up his projection for uh and I feel the same way about Cardi too. Cardi's not gonna miss something. It's not like there's gonna be something missing. But he put up his projection he or he didn't put up a projection. He said something like, you know, Holmes it Mahomes is touchdown percentage was like 8.3 or something off the charts and the league average is 4.8 and so he's going to regress because nobody does that and i said you know i i actually think mahomes i might because i was thinking about taking him i had the i'll put the context i had the beat chris listley got the first pick so i was picking 24th and if you look at the nfbc adp mahomes is 24 and all the guys like 16 through 23 are the guys i hope to get but if I didn't get them, the guys 25 and 26 were like Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton. I like those guys, but I was like, I might just take Mahomes over them in a six-point passing touchdown league because I don't think it's like, I don't, I don't have Mahomes at 36 touchdowns. I have him at 41 conservatively, and I easily could see him getting 45 to 50 again and defy these you know, league average touchdown pass rates because he's got Andy Reid as his coach. He's got Tyreek Hill back. He's got Kelsey. They just drafted another speedster, Cole Hardman, and, he, and he's probably the most talented quarterback in the history of football. So this isn't like, it's like saying to me, it's more like, oh, well, LeBron six, nine getting seven assists a game. No way he can repeat that. Nobody, no six, nine forward gets seven assists a game. Yeah, but it's LeBron. <laughs> That's the whole point. You can't just use, oh, look at all the, the average six, nine forward gets 1.5 assists per game. Yeah, but that's not relevant. The average forward, it's LeBron James. Do you really think like what you know the, the league average touchdown rate with, that includes Flacco and Bortles and people like that is relevant to what Mahomes' touchdown rate is going to be? It's ridiculous. It's funny. I was looking up to see. I, I clicked the, our Yahoo ranks and Brad Evans' video popped into my ear. Hoping to uh, jump through to you, but guys, I noticed a couple people. My colleagues moved Watson. I guess only one of them moved Watson ahead of uh, Brad Evans. Does have Watson ahead of Mahomes now? I've heard of other people heard the stat saying I think it's something like the last fifteen years the fantasy QB one hasn't repeated the next year. And I get regression, but um, I'm with you. Just and the other thing I will say is Mahomes doesn't quite run as much as you think. Like Watson's definitely the better runner, but the setup is so good, and this guy just looks like the t- I mean the talent's out of control. So uh, I-, I still say wait on quarterback unless it's if you're playing the superflex, which you should. But um, yeah, I-, I have Mahomes as my number one fantasy QB this year, and I think by a comfortable margin. Yeah, it was by a wide margin. He doesn't run as much as Watson, but he still gets you like two, three rushing touchdowns and 300 rushing yards. It's not like yeah. it's not like he's yeah. you know Philip Rivers, and you just can't rank like the Rivers Breeze types very high because there's like zero added from the running. Although Breeze does get some random sneaks, but otherwise he has no rushing yards. So Mahomes adds stuff there, but I think you can't just regret. You can't regress this. this is a, the all-time friendliest passing era too. Like what's happened in the past doesn't matter. I I, I mean I am projected for 41. And if you know he's completely, if he, you knew he'd be completely healthy and Hill were healthy and Kelsey were healthy, it's kind of the way we project people. We don't say, well, we're going to dock everybody this many games. I think 43 might be more realistic, 44. And it wouldn't take a big push to get him to 50. And if your quarterback gets 50 with 4,900, 5,000 yards again, then taking that guy in the second round with a six point passing TD is a no brainer. That's a great pick in the second round because somebody's going to say, oh, I can get James Winston in the 13th. And Winston might get 33 touchdowns. He really might. But he also might get 26 and lose his job. You know, and then you might mix and match and say, oh, it's no big deal. I've got Jared Goff. 
but Jared Goff may get 29 or 30. You know, you, you just don't know. And you're getting whipsawed. And also it's more volatile, right? Like quarterback's the least volatile position if it's an elite quarterback. So a non-running, you know, not a guy who's dependent on running. So you're getting those 30, 40 points every week. Whereas the receiver that you drafted that's better than the receiver I would have to get in the seventh round or whatever, or in the ninth round, he's going to be volatile every week because receivers are volatile. So I, I think there's a, a good argument to say Mahomes is, should be in the NFBC format somewhere in the end of the second round, early third. Yeah, how this broke out for you is way better, in my opinion, though. I mean, you got Chubb, who I have ranked as like my seventh overall player, uh, and, and then Baker Mayfield in the seventh. I mean, that, that's the way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I was very happy with it. I, I think I would have taken Mahomes if the guy who took Mahomes took Chubb, but uh, if Chubb and Mahomes were there, I would definitely take Chubb. Chubb was one of the guys I was hoping would fall to me that I didn't think would. So I got Saquon, and then I got Chubb, and then it picked 36. Jim Coventry in the podcast we did yesterday talked me into Fournette, and it's, it's the right pick based on any projections I've seen for Fournette, but I really did not enjoy doing it. And then I got your guy Kittle, you know, because 3-4 you pick back-to-back. So I got Kittle, Fournette, Chubb, and Barkley in my first four picks. What did you think of the draft? Yeah, I, um, I personally would have taken Derrick Henry ahead of Fournette, but, uh, I mean, whatever. I could, I could be wrong. Maybe Fournette stays healthy well, and PPR. a better quarterback yeah, there. It's PPR. That's I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm aware. I know. Or Drake then. Fine. Either, either of them I have ranked, ranked ahead of, of Fournette. I, I like, Kittle, I like, absolutely. I like Drake, too, but I don't know. I, Fournette's the only one who, of those guys that could go 260 and 60. That, that's the only guy yeah, who has a chance for those. There's definitely upside there. And Kittle in round four just seems late to me. That just seems, I don't know. I could see talking myself into him as a mid-second rounder easily right after Kelsey, personally. I, mean, I know I get that the situation won't be the same. He'll probably get hurt. This is a guy in his second year in the NFL broke the yardage record with horrible third-string quarterbacks. I right. mean, this is, and who's their other? I mean, Dante Pettis I like, but I mean, he's his competition for the other targets i mean this defense i, I think is going to be improved well, kittle's, locked in. I, 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 kittle's locked in kittle's, to, to be kittle's the man i mean I, yeah. I i could see him top 20 overall player so and then i don't really love the, the tyler Boyd, jarvis land you're not talking me into landry man i mean i know i know that he talks himself into targets That's... but over my, my opinion is i don't care about roster construction and i personally would have taken a, a rashad penny or a daryl henderson there yeah. even if you had the runnings running backs earlier and worry about it later. That's just how, I, how I've been doing my drafts. But, but maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Landry and PPR ends up catching 100 balls, even if he's not particularly valuable for the Browns doing it. Yeah, I, that was the one pick I think uh, you know, maybe I, I, can, I think that might have been true. It might have been a nutless monkey pick that I should have taken Henderson or Penny and just gotten a, you know, it was a non-startable player, though, or O.J. Howard who went next. I, liked, I was looking at all yeah. those guys. I, wouldn't, you know, I got Fournette in the flex, or... If, I got Howard, I've got Kittle at tight end and already Fournette in the flex, so I couldn't start them, but there's bye weeks, there's injuries. You end up using them eventually, and if Henderson is, if Gurley's no good and Henderson takes over, you're not really going to care what else is on your roster. I mean, you'll, you'll find a way to make room for him. So that, that, that's probably well taken. I mean, I'm happy with Boyd there. I, I, really, I needed a receiver, and he's solid and in his prime and just signed the contract. I think he's going to be set. Uh, Landry, though... I think he was miscast as sort of the number one outside receiver for the Browns last year, and he just wasn't very good. But I think with Beckham being the number one guy, Landry will get his 130 targets, catch you know 88 of them, and you know the touchdowns and yardage will be modest, but 88 catches from your six round receiver is solid. Yeah, and another reason I really like waiting on receivers this year is because I feel like around wide receivers 20 to 45 that tier uh, are all valued very differently among everyone so i don't I, I just don't care about i'll just take whoever falls like for instance 
you got Funchess in round nine. I personally have him ranked ahead of Shepard and Landry and even Boyd, all of whom you took ahead of him. And that same round of Funchess, I'd be happy with Curtis Samuel, MVS. So I like I like waiting just because of that. Like every that whole tier to me, I see way different than my own tier. Whereas the other positions aren't quite like that. Yeah, but I kind of disagree with that because, like, let's say I took Shepard ahead of guys like Christian Kirk, QT, Nikhil Harry, who I like, and MVS, who I like also. But I took him because I know that he's getting 120 targets if he's healthy. I just know he's getting the targets, and I when you, when you don't have a, when he's one of your starters, that's important. If he if I had already had three receivers, I might have gone for an upside guy that could maybe win me the league. But I'm looking at I've got great running backs and tight end. I just need three receivers who are going to get me 80 plus catches and hold down the fort. Now, if somebody breaks out, that'd be great. But I'm I, I'm looking to avoid a bust there. So I want you know Shepard to me was perfect, even though I'd have guys ahead of him. And I think Funches is the same thing. Funches has a little more upside, but you know Tyler Boyd to me as established on that team, even when AJ Green was healthy, as like an 80 catch guy. So I wanted to make sure I had one of those guys. Funches might be more valuable. He might score 10 touchdowns or something, but and Boyd won't. But he also could be nobody. Funches could do nothing. I mean, it's like he could easily just be Hilton's the number one. Ebron and Doyle are getting involved. You know, Paris Campbell ends up being good, and Funches has like 600 yards and three touchdowns. No, I agree. Those other like Shepard is a safer pick than the other the, those others, such as Funches. What about I, I, I've drew now? I, I don't love a couple of those early ones, but I do like this stretch of Dante Foreman and Mark Andrews at ten and eleven. I, I guess everyone loves Andrews these days, but Foreman, man, like I, I personally have him ranked ahead of Lamar Miller. Um, we'll we'll see. You know, the year after the the Achilles, uh, I don't know. A lot of upside for around ten. Really like that pick there. Yeah, you kind of talked me into him. I also saw a note on Twitter on RotoWire that. Foreman looks like a different player this year from last year, yep. you know, cause he was coming off the Achilles and just wasn't himself. So that's encouraging. And as you said, Lamar Miller is not going to be too hard to beat out. Yeah. Traquan Smith too. I mean, I was, he was hyped a lot. Now he's kind of quieted, but I mean, whatever number two guy in the saints, what if something happened to Michael Thomas? I mean, I, know, I see, I see, I see more upside there than say your Jamison Crowder before, but Crowder's definitely a safety type pick for PPR. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. You need, you need those PPR guys running backs and receivers sometimes just to put in your lineup. I mean, it's not just, you want to get to the playoffs and make some shrewd waiver pickups and get lucky with stuff and have that playoff running on the NFBC. You just got to get in. And then once you're in, that's what matters. Who's, you know, if you get that guy, like in, in the, those three weeks that it's, you know, Damian Williams wasn't on anyone's team after the draft, you got to pick up the Damian Williams before that, before the playoffs and, and ride that. Uh, I also interestingly stacked Brown. So you see, I have Mayfield, I have Landry, I have Callaway. Yeah. And I have Chubb. So if the Browns are the next Chiefs, you know, they blow up with uh, Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator and Mayfield in year two and Beckham there. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to get Beckham, which could be a huge, which would probably be a huge part of it. I don't have Njoku. But if that offense blows up like crazy, I have a, a lot of pieces of it. Love the Browns this year. But um, look at quarterback. Kyler Murray goes round 11. Drew Brees round 11. You're able to get Sam Darnold. What, youngest starting quarterback in the league last year, highest QBR, final month of the year, in round 19 for free. The NFBC, NFFC is usually ahead of the curve. feel like they'll, they'll be in the super flex sooner rather than later because it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. This is the one quarterback. This is too easy to wait. But um, Yeah, I'm, anyway. I'm, I don't like that I got Darnold. I mean, you know, that's a jet. I'm not rooting for him. I hope he fails. But I, I basically, I missed out on Derek Carr, who I was going to take, and 
I was like, all right, I, I want to get at least one one other QB besides Mayfield, so I took Darnold. Um, anyway, solid job list. Looks good. Are you going to do another one of these? Because I, I didn't even know this one uh, was happening. I want to get in if you do another one later yeah, on. I'll do another one in August for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, um, what other, uh, what other, did you do any, uh, any other drafts? Or any, oh, you did a health related, uh, opportunity related article. You want to talk about that? Yeah, real quick. I just, I just throw on the blog every year. Um, just like the health and opportunity neutral rankings, which basically are just like assuming everyone played 16 games. How would you rank players? Of course, Gurley moves up a lot. Um, guys like Melvin Gordon move up, although he's got the holdout issue. And then, uh, you know, then the opportunity neutral is just give everybody the same number of carries or, or passing attempts. And obviously the running QBs shoot to the top and the pass catching running backs shoot to the top and receivers. It's, you know, the guys who can make big plays and, and who are in the red zone a lot shoot to the top. So it's just sort of an experiment that allows you to see what might happen, you know, because opportunity and health are things that change really quickly. Um, if you just made everyone healthy, you never know. Some, you know, Devonta Freeman could be healthy, could play 16 games. Well, he'd be a lot higher if we knew that, that everybody were playing 16 games. So because role and health are the two most changeable of the four, basically four things make up a player's value, right? It's, it's team context, skills. Those things don't change very often. Guys don't get traded very much. I mean, the team context, I mean, I guess someone else could get hurt on your team. But, you know, team context and, and skills are sort of the, usually more fixed. And then, you know, how fast you are is usually fixed. How big you are is usually fixed. How good of a route runner you are, you can get a little better, but it's usually kind of fixed. But role and health change dramatically quickly. So I basically just eliminate those variables and see what the rankings look like without them. And it just gives you some ideas of possibilities. That's the idea. Cool. I like it. Um, everyone can check that out. I don't want to bore you with my teams too much. I did the fishbowl. I didn't draft a receiver until the ninth round. Um, I love that the format there allows so, such flexibility and different. I went five straight running backs. And I got that aforementioned Melvin Gordon. You think you worried about that? What would you do? Are you lowering him in your rankings? I, this was before. And you know, I, I drafted him literally the day before this holdout stuff came out. Yeah, I might want to lower him a little more. He went uh, in the second it, with the fifth pick of the second round in my draft last night, and I, I think the problem is the Chargers are digging in, and I believe them. I don't think they're bluffing. Like I think they're not going to budge. And then Melvin Gordon, unfortunately, has been very public about saying he's not going to play without a new contract. So I was talking about this with John McKechnie today on the radio, but you you really don't want. You know, it's a game of chicken, and worst case scenario is a crash, meaning he actually misses games in the season, or worst case is Le'Veon Bell missing the whole season. And so, if you know the other team, the other guy who's driving is not going to swerve no matter what, like they've ripped the steering wheel off or the steering's not working, um, then you have two choices either swerve and lose or crash and die. And that's the choice that's being presented to Melvin Gordon. And that's not good because he's not going to want to lose this battle and it's embarrassing. You know, he's come out publicly and said, he's not doing it. How is he going to save face and come back with any, he's going to have no leverage for the future whatsoever. He's going to just prove that he caved. So the only way he gains any leverage and maybe makes the chargers think twice is if he actually misses games and if they lose a game and they can't close it out or something, but in the modern NFL teams don't be, don't seem to be so worried about that. So I think Gordon, you know, Zeke Elliott's situation is a little risky, but it's better because he just said he's going to think about it when he's going to report. So he can report and not lose face. But Melvin Gordon's really said, you know, he's trying to act like he's not going to swerve, but 
I just think, you know, as, as John McKechnie put it, the Chargers are driving a Mack truck and, and, you know, and Melvin Gordon's in a Miata, you know, so it's like you, the, the, the crash is way worse for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, it'll be a mess of a committee, too, with Jackson and Eckler, too, if he doesn't play. I've never even been a Melvin Gordon guy. He's rarely on any of my teams. But whatever, this team is stacked. I followed up Gordon with Nick Chubb, Damian Williams, Devontae Freeman, and Kenyon Drake. So my backfield feels pretty low. I'm, I'm Nick Chubb, whatever, in the second round just seems crazy to me. And Damian Williams round three seems even crazier. But I just well, Damian Williams not gonna happen. could be round one. Yeah. Damian Williams, yeah, I have number seven yeah. among running backs. Yeah. Yeah, I have him as well. That's where I have him too. So I, I have him as a first rounder. So um, anyway, the other thing, uh, the Sin City Showdown, as Brad Evans uh, came up with the name, you were missed and you got to do it next year. It's so fun, live auction uh, in person. Uh, Thorne. I've done it. Was, was Thorne in the same yeah. form as he was? No, two- he, was, he was in good form, but he wasn't the auctioneer, unfortunately. He wasn't oh. quite as wasted because you weren't there feeding him the drinks. But uh, yeah, I really. Uh, me and. Me and Ted Bell got in a battle of Nick Chubb. I, I had like the last one to buy someone. I was waiting on him, and apparently he was. And his price nearly went as high as, as any of the other backs because of it. But uh, that's the, the risk of the auction. But anyway, listen, you definitely got to get in this next year because uh, it wasn't quite the same without you. I appreciate that, and I probably will be there next year. I don't see why not. There's not going to be another wedding. So I am almost certainly going to be there next year. So anyway, yeah, definitely let me know about the beat Chris list uh, part two. I want to do that one with you because I got to save face after your dominant showing oh. in MLB and I'm going to have to send some money. So yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you could not be more dominated than you are right now in that league. Well, yeah, if you win the whole thing, it would be uh, pretty, pretty impressive. There uh, should be like a $100,000 prize if one, someone wins the whole thing, like another 100000 from the person because it's so unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't put that clause in, uh, but uh, I, especially with you involved, I thought it was it was not needed. But um, that's that's what I thought. Well, the five hundred that I had to pay you five hundred that year, and the friends and family, I was like, whatever. Name the price for the winning the overall league. You're never going to win the league, so I wasn't worried about it at all. Uh, sure. Um, all right, man. What else we talk about? We got Neuralink, Elon Musk. We got the Face App uh, by the Russians. We got what two Epstein's, Robert Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. What 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 do you want to talk about, Liz? I'm throwing stuff at you. I don't even know what's going. on. I don't know what half that stuff is. I know what Jeffrey Epstein is. I I'm very curious to see well, when the lid is pulled off of all the uh, all the oligarchs that have been complicit in his crimes and who he actually is. Because he's not he's not what he's he's not an investor. He's not a billionaire investor. And the crazy thing is he taught, he was a math teacher at this school that Heather's uh, cousins went to. I mean, that I knew tons of people at Dalton. I probably know people who had him as a teacher. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do, because I knew people at that school. It was, I grew up in New York and went to a school, a private school in New York. That's another private school in New York. Yeah, it's interesting like, how exactly he made all his money and everything. Yeah, it's it's all very crazy. nebulous. And every, anyone on Wall Street who's been uh, asked about it is like, I've never done a trade with him. I've never... Her, you know, known anyone he worked for him. I mean, it's very, it, the, the cover story is he's not, that's not what he was up to. Some kind of blackmail scheme, intelligence agencies, blackmail scheme, you know, have powerful figures, presidents that they can, you know, have dirt on or something. I, I don't know what, I don't know exactly what, but it's, I'd just be very curious as to if they get to the bottom of it, which they probably won't. You know, apparently, you know, the guy in uh, tr- the Trump labor secretary who, who gave him the slap on the wrist and let him off the hook. Acosta was his name. Anyway, Alex Acosta. Um, he, I, I heard this somewhere, so I don't want to say this is definitely true, but it sounded plausible and I, and I can't remember the source. But you know when you're, you know, you're, the president's putting together his cabinet after he gets elected and there's that transition period where he's 
you know, before when he's after he's elected in November, before he takes office in February, January, whatever it is, they put together their cabinet and they have the transition team that vets everybody. And during his vetting, apparently he was asked about that. And he, and I think what I read was that he said that someone said to him, this is intelligence, this is defense and intelligence. This is let it go. Basically like this was not like, don't prosecute this guy like a citizen. This is some military intelligence operation. Let it go. So that's like pretty crazy. This is like an intelligence thing, not a. That's weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. That's bizarre. The whole thing. I'm, I'm definitely curious what, what you should find. You should, you should check out Michael Krieger's feed um, at Liberty Blitzkrieg. He, he's put a lot of interesting links together. That's it's very crazy. Like the stuff, very crazy. If you're into conspiracies and stuff, this okay. stuff is, is definitely going to. All right. No, no, I will check that out. I am kind of into it a little bit. All right, I'll check that out. What um, The other Epstein is I didn't really know either, but I just brought it up because someone tagged us in a tweet saying for us to talk about it. It was like a researcher of Google bias, you know, that like psychologist. Oh, was, yeah. Uh, no, that stuff. Google yeah. is like, Google is dirty. Google is dirty. I mean, they are fixing things based on what they think is right, what they think is a, a reasonable person to be in the office. I mean, it, Google is subverting democracy. It's a dangerous force right now. Yeah, I know this psychologist was saying the solution is basically that would be to open its entire search index to the public. Anyway, it's all, all kinds of uh, stuff that I thought you'd, whatever. The guy tagged you on, on Twitter, so I thought. Yeah, I didn't know who that was. I thought he meant Jeffrey because, No, 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 he's talking about this. It's a Google, Google researcher guy. But um, what else? The, uh, oh, the Face app. I'm sure you got into that since you're all into such, such memes. You know that you know, the Russian-owned company. You did yeah. see people. I, I imagine that it, it breached your uh, social media, the old, old faces. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could okay. take anybody's face. So someone could take a picture of me and do it. Like, obviously, Correct. they don't, you know, Correct. you can't control any, any photo that's up there of you. But I prefer if they don't. I, I just don't really, it has nothing to do with the Russia thing. I just think, like, just that stuff online, those memes, that stuff, some of it might be innocent. Like, oh, it's just a fun game or whatever. But to me, it's like, don't give them anything. Don't involve with it. Ignore. Delete. Ignore. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my policy for all that stuff. That's, yeah, that's what I figured. Um, the other thing, last thing I said, I said was the Neuralink is Elon Musk. It's just, uh, you should check it out. He's like developing some implantable brain machine interface deal. And he claims that it's already working and planted inside a monkey, controlling their thoughts. And within like a couple of years, it's going to be in humans. So, Does the uh, monkey happen to have testicles? Probably not. It's probably nutless. Almost, almost assuredly nutless. But um, yeah, check out Neuralink. But uh, what about you uh, as far as politics? Anything on your mind, Christopher? Not really. I, yeah, not really. I'm sort of like, there's a lot of dust ups about this person said something racist. No, it's not right. They're the racist, but this is, the, I think like that stuff is just what somebody said, what somebody didn't say, what they meant, all this stuff. I, I think like, it's just so missing the point of what people should be focused on. Like what's actually being done, right? Like what, what policies are you for? What policies you're against? What is actually being done? And it uh, looks like Tulsi Gabbard's creeping up in the polls. And honestly, I, I really, the older I get, the more I think that especially national government should be minimalist. Like we should not be, they should not be involving themselves in our day-to-day lives very much. And, you know, basically we have this gigantic defense budget and, it, and defending the country is necessary, but apparently like one seventh of it or less actually goes to defense. It's just, you know, giveaways to contractors. It's just propping up Boeing or propping up different, you know, it's just, it's not even all that, you know, we spend so much on defense, but we're not getting that much defense for it. 
we should be like crushing. We should have, if we're really spending that money efficiently on defense, like there would be no threats in the world, but we're not. It's just giveaways to these contractors. And there's been stories on that. So uh, I really want the, the president that's going to do the least harm. That's sort of my main cri- criterion for a president. Do the least harm. So Tulsi Gabbard's anti-war and anti-military industrial complex, that to me is the least, that's the biggest harm you can possibly do is start a war. You cannot do more harm than start a war. And again, say what you want about Trump, knock him for all the bad things he does and you don't like him or whatever, that's fine. I'm not going to quibble with that. But he has not yet started a war. So knock on wood, hopefully that continues. I'm not going to get caught up in verbal stuff. You know what I mean? To me, it's like, don't start a fucking war. You know, the guy who starts the war is a monster, belongs in the Hague, unless it's a war that's self-defense, you know, where someone's literally invading us or aggressing against us. I think that the main, again, criterion for me is do no harm. Well, that sounds entirely reasonable for sure. And um, the debates are coming up too. the round two of the debates. Hopefully they're a little better. Than I won't the first watch one. You, you are going to no, say, will you even bother? No, no. no. the format is, is, it's brutal. It's totally rigged. It's the, you know, it's MSNBC. They're, they're going to ask harsher questions to the people they don't like. They're going to kiss ass to the ones they're pushing. And it's just a horrible venue to have anything of substance being said. And I, I really think that the progressive candidates should find alternative ways and just debate amongst them. You know, find a YouTube thing, set it up professionally, spend some of their campaign money instead of advertising on MSNBC and those places and Fox News, go and actually um, have a real debate, you know, and, and take it to the people because this is just, it's stupid. No, for sure. Very frustrating. I figured you probably wouldn't even watch. Zero, but, uh, zero no, point zero have, interest. Yeah. That, that makes total sense about war being, uh, you know, the most important by issue. Far, by far. It, and, I mean, and the that, fact that, that people, and, and again, there's many reasons to dislike Trump, and I, I won't even argue them. But the fact that people think that, like, oh, he's by far the worst. He's way worse than Bush. It's like, no. If he starts a war, he could end up worse than Bush. If he doesn't start a war, he can't even touch that. You know, it's like... You know, who's a better driver, me or you, but you got into 10 car crashes. I mean, the crash is the thing, you know, it's not like, you know, it's, it's the defining thing of being terrible. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he's just talks a lot of uh, transparently empty rhetoric and uh, doesn't uh, push us over the edge. All right, man. Uh, good catching up with you. Uh, Miss talking with you. I'm glad to hear you're miserable in L.A. Um, no, I'm joking. Have fun back in. Uh, I'm sad if we don't overlap, though. Don't get to see you. That's uh, too bad. But it sounds like you had a good time at the wedding. And uh, yeah, good times, Liz. All right, man. That was it. That was short. Huh? I thought it was going to be like an epic two-hour podcast because of the three weeks. But uh, yeah, I know. Not. Well, well do you, I mean, do you have anything else you wanted you wanted to add? I thought I did, but I, you know, maybe I don't. I thought I had a bunch of stuff. I've been in like lots of arguments with people. I've been pissed about stuff. I've been thinking about a lot of different things. So. One thing I, I forgot, I, so I did when I was in Las Vegas, I did sign, I slept over to the super contest and I signed up, you know, I got us an actual, uh, you know, my guy was out of town and Ted Bell happened to have an official person there. So now there's no uh, worry if we do get into first, you know, a friend of a friend cashing in, I guess. But the, uh, we got all official there. I, I got the Niners at 40 to one, but the Dolphins odds, you were, you were grilling off whoever was on XM. There was no even close to 250 to one or whatever we thought. But um Shopped the Niners around, mostly 20 to 1, got them at 40 to 1 at Westgate and signed us up for the Super Contest. And uh, how, how, how lame is it that I went with the Nutless Monkeys and the guy looked, handed it to his boss and his boss is like, 
no, too vulgar. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, even if we used it last year, they're like, yeah, I guess they're getting too big time. And they just assumed by looking at me that we're going to be up the top, you know, the leaderboard. So they don't want any kind of vulgar name at, toward the top. So uh, we they're went always, with the they're, always weird, they're always worried about that, like, uh, idiot savant type that comes in. No, no, no. They looked at it. That, dude, that dude's a sharp. We can't be having our name, you know, looking some, something like that. So I went with the real man Wood to promote this very podcast. So look at it to the top okay. of the Well, if a real man Wood wins the contest. contest. A real man would wins the contest and will promote this podcast. I don't know if we'll care anymore. It's not that much money, though. How much money is it if you win? Like one and a half mil? Yeah, it's going to, so like, I guess 3,000 signed up last year and they're shooting for 4,000. So whatever the math might is. Might be two mil, two and a half. Yeah. And two yeah. and a quarter. So, yeah. All right. I'll take two so, and a quarter. I could use two and a quarter. Yeah. So, that buys um, a decent amount of Bitcoin for sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So yeah. So start studying up for the super contest is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's no studying up. It's not about you can't study up. What are you going to study up? Just get mentally prepared. Don't. I'm, screw oh, up I'm mentally prepared. Myself. That's all I am. That's all I'm doing. That's all I care. I told I said this before, but I I told Pianowski and Jeff when they were on. My two things are win the main event. Online would be it's harder to win the online than the main event. By the way, in the NFBC, there's more teams, but win the main event. Online wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Though, as a consolation. And win the super contest. Those are the two sort of bucket list achievements in the industry that I would like to have before I'm done. Yeah, for sure. Super Let's contest, main event. I mean, that's that's impressive. If you can get those two, I've got zero out of two right now. So I've, you know, I got a ways to go. No, I know. That's that's what I'm saying. Getting in the right frame of mind right now. So no, no. I, I'm I I intend to do it. I mean, I want to do it. Okay. okay. Nice. All right, man. Good times, right. Liz. Uh, good talking to you. All right, take it easy, Don.